love has done its part And let him reign in my life and my heart If love has done its part Now let him reign in my life and in my heart Well, it's, uh, we're talking today about, uh, I think, a title that we that I've come up with, that Shay and I have kind of carried over with other folks that we we talk to or we share our stories with, is that um, it's kind of the the title of, of this particular talk we're having today is You Can't Take Away Our Story. And it came to my heart to really share that about you can't take away our story because of a bill in the uh, state... Um, of California right now that's trying to be passed into a law. It's AB 2943. Uh, some people that are in the kind of Christian world or, or in the uh, ex-gay community where they do a lot of work with ex-gays are calling it the stay gay bill. Uh, of course, the state of California is calling it, you know, help for people who are LGBTQ who want to just stay that way. So that, that and they're actually claiming that there is no help for, for folks that it's a, I believe the wording is along the spectrum of, of, of sexuality that it's perfectly normal to be LGBTQ. And so there should be no there should be no way that you would want to offer help to anyone who is LGBT or Q because why would you want to change something that's normal and healthy? And I was thinking about that and I or thinking about this whole bill, and I just wanted to share, you know, that. I just want to make sure that people hear on some level, whether you hear it on this podcast or, or on a video or you hear it through our ministry, that you can't take away our story. And, and, I, and I can only talk about my story, and, I, and I'll you know, open up the, the mics for others to share if they want. But I mean, my story is, is that I went through what they call now reparative therapy. I experienced some reparative therapy, and it's never been, at least it never was for me, it hasn't been for anyone that I know, and we have many, many, many connections in the, in the Christian world of folks who've come out of homosexual sin, and reparative therapy was never offered to anyone under coercion, it was never offered to anyone as what it's being advertised as, which is a... Um, almost uh, uh, invasive therapy technique that uses electricity, either through electroconvulsive therapy or whether they're shocked to not feel attraction or hooked up to machinery to keep them from being attracted to the same sex. I can just tell you I've never met anyone nor have I ever experienced that in my recovery. And so I just wanted to share some of my story. Yeah, is it a bit uh, scary to share your story? Sure, because, you know, then people know you struggled with homosexuality. You struggled with being gay, so to speak. But being gay is the false part of this. There is, in, in my story, there was no being gay. You know, although I grew up in a place where some of the things that happened in my life caused the brokenness of same-sex attraction, all, all that began in my process, because I didn't grow up in today, 
I grew up in a time when it wasn't so great to be gay. And so I've sought out healing and the Holy Spirit really led me through a journey of realizing this is not the way I made you. As a matter of fact, when the Holy Spirit spoke to me, the Holy Spirit said to me, this is not my best for you. That's exactly how he put it. Now, people in the gay agenda, people in the gay community who have accepted their homosexuality, their gay identity, I'm not here to try to force them to change. I don't think any of us are, right? Right. So what we're trying to do is just offer to the folks who are misguided, who are listening to some of these people talk that say, well, you know, it's terrible that they would force somebody who says they're gay, try to force them to change. I've never had to force someone to change. Right. I've even met occasionally through our ministry with with younger uh, folks, like not not young kids, but like teenagers, 15. We usually don't see anyone over uh, younger than 15 years old because we don't want to begin to try and talk about these things then. We, we want them to want to be here. So we don't even see people who don't want to come here. We also don't see people who come here under their own parents' coercion. We try to encourage parents, don't, co- you know, don't coerce your children to come here. It's, would you like to at least hear another side to the story? And I wanted to kind of put this, these things out here so that, that folks who don't know this other side of the story can at least begin talking about it and begin to see that this bill that's about to be passed in California, if it's passed, will absolutely, it takes away all seminars, healing events, religious opportunities, um, publications, publications, Anything, it, it, it bans all of those things legally from being able to be offered to anyone who might say, wait a minute, I don't know that I want to be gay. The only opportunity they'll have at that moment is to meet with someone, go to an event, grab a publication that is pro-gay and will help them accept their gay identity. Now, why, why are we doing that when we do that for no other issue in our world today? A person can say, well, I don't know that I'm, I have the disease of alcoholism, and no one's fighting that they must accept it as a disease. No one's saying you have to accept that you're schizophrenic or that you're mentally ill. If you choose to not do that, you have the right to choose not to take medication But here, we're condemning a set of the population who say, wait a minute, what if I'm not gay? What if I believe God? What if I believe this isn't me? We're condemning them. They must receive help only to accept their gay identity rather than work against it. What do y'all think? I've left you speechless, huh? Mm -hmm. Well, I absolutely, I mean, I get what you're saying. I mean, I just want to just play the devil's advocate here for a moment because I know that that this bill, what they would say is they would say, well, this isn't the same as alcoholism. This isn't the same as, as schizophrenia. It's not a disease. But, 
you know, I guess so so then you have to look at I think Christians have to look at where do they really stand on this. But if a person does not want to have these attractions, if they do not feel comfortable being attracted to the same sex, they should be able to you know, to see why what what do I do about this? Right. And, and, you know, and I get what they would say is this isn't a disease, so it doesn't compare. I'm just saying, don't we also allow people to feel what they feel? Right. Regardless. And that's what I'm saying. And if I feel that this is not God's best for me and I head off on a journey, which I did, to try to find God's best for my sexual identity and I believe that I found it and I'm just standing here as a witness today saying I'm not unhappy I'm not caught up in some sort of delusion. I'm not afraid that somehow I'm, you know, hiding from my true identity. I'm saying I feel happier today than I've ever felt in who I am. And I'm just saying, what if there are other folks out there who want that same freedom? Is it a hell of a road? Yes, it is a hell of a road. It's it's a hard road. Yeah, and I would say any going back to the drug addiction or schizophrenia, the all of those are hard roads. Yes, and and what I think is 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 as Shay said, and I'm going to answer to that the same way. Is it's you're absolutely right. Some people are going to say, well, there sh- shouldn't be a road at all because it's not a disease. You shouldn't have a road. But if I believe it is, why can you, state legislature, take away my right? to believe it is a road that I want to choose differently. Exactly. I'm not making anyone else not. I'm not keeping someone else from doing it. I'm saying what if I choose to do it in the state of California, I will not be able to choose to get any other kind of help there. And as we've seen in abortion, as we've seen in gay marriage, as we've seen in already Many states don't allow any counseling in this area for for anyone under the age of 18. As we've seen, it starts in one liberal state, usually along the West Coast, I may add, and then it spreads as a wildfire. And so now there's not just one state who's adopting no counseling for anyone under the age of 18. Now we have many states who've adopted no counseling for anyone under the age of 18. So I'm saying if this passes, it's just a moment before it's going to pass in other states. Because people tend to join this bandwagon of, yes, we must fight for gay rights. And that's wonderful. If you want to fight for gay rights, fight for gay rights. I'm just standing as one person saying, what about my rights? What about my rights to choose to get help? Right. And if I'm one, there may be others who are still saying, I'm not so sure that I believe that this is who I am. And when a state mandates that you don't have the right to choose your own path in your own feelings, whatever you want to label it, sure, don't label it a mental illness, don't label it a disease. I get you. But if my feeling is that this is not what I want to do, I can get no I can no longer get help in California to find who I might really think I am. Right. So they're actually tying the hands of people to go on their own exploratory journey of finding who they are. 
So all these things that we hear about, oh, I had the most wonderful time. I went out into the desert and I found who I was. In California, you can no longer go off and find who you are. Good point. In this particular area. And how long is it before that spreads? I mean, just absolutely. aside from this one issue, I just wonder why the government thinks it's any of their business and, you know, why people are, are jump are, are saying this is okay. I mean, it's pretty scary if you ask me. It is scary because it's taking the rights of people away to make their own choices about who they are. You see, the whole gay agenda has been you don't let us make our own decisions of who we are. And I've, I get that. And has the church been somehow times broken in that? Absolutely. We've been upset. We've said, this is a sin. You cannot do this. That's what we believe. And it's okay to believe that. But I get that the gay agenda is now saying, wait a minute, we want to absolutely be who we think we are. Okay. But just don't, don't take it. Don't do, don't do what you, what you want to do now and take away my right to be who I want to be either. You can't legislate someone's feelings. You cannot legislate someone's feelings. Right. And that's what they're trying to do. When you can't legislate their beliefs. Absolutely. Their religious beliefs. And yet we will fight to the death for many other folks' religious beliefs. Mm -hmm. But now we're about to lose, at least in California, the right to believe that this is a sin. Well, because it won't even go to just counseling. Mm-hmm. It'll go to the pulpit. It'll go to just your your being able to voice your opinion or your thoughts. Absolutely. It'll it'll it's gonna go far beyond counseling. That's right. And now we have a bill in place if this passes that will back up any particular word, phrase, or sentence that's spoken that goes against this bill will then begin to be looked at as hate speech. If you speak against this at all, then you're going to be charged with hate speech, which is exactly what pulpits in California are already experiencing is people accusing them of hate speech if they preach against homosexuality. But when this bill passes, they now actually have something to back that up that says any publication, anything said, any religious uh, event that speaks against it will be will come under this law. Right. And I really don't want to stay on the, the legal side of it for very long. I really want people to understand that we are tying the hands of God because what if he really does change people's lives? And when I said earlier that it's a hard road, it is a hard road. And you're going to probably hear from folks who say, well, yeah, but I tried for years. I mean, we, we know friends, right, that try, have tried to get free and have gone off into the place of believing, well, I guess this is who God made me because they couldn't get free. It is a hard road. And so if you look at addicts who can't get free right away, do you just tell them, no, you're supposed to be addicted for your, your whole life? You right. know, We shouldn't be. There are programs, I think, who do say, well, once an addict, always an addict, or it's, then we label it a disease. We're not, we're not as far gone in that place yet to say, well, that's who you are. You were born an alcoholic or you were born a drug addict. 
And that's actually a crazy place, right? Because actually homose homosexual sin is the only sin that now our world has adopted as an identity rather than a sin. So now right. I get to say, well, I was born this way. We don't say you're born with alcoholism. We don't say you're born with drug, with drug addiction. We don't say you're born a pedophile. But those things may be coming because guess what? Whenever you come against sin and you don't know how to change it, certainly Satan's easiest way is to just have you check mark. this is who I am, and that makes it easier, right? As long as you give me right to be this, mm -hmm. then I don't really have to work against. I mean, that's what our ministry talks about over and over is how hard it is to get free from anything broken. And so let me ask you a question. Go for it. So what do you think this this bill gets passed? What do you think is going to happen with people that do have a story of this in their past, of healing? Because you started off saying this, you want to talk about you can't take away our story. So what is going to happen to the people in California and the other states that follow with their testimony and that have come out of this lifestyle? I actually think it will take longer for them to be silenced because they do have a story and you can at least get up and say, this is my story and not preach against it and be called, be categorized under this, this law. But as we've seen with anything in the gay agenda, it's only going to get stronger because the gay community is driven by hate. True. And so whenever you have that force behind it and all these other people living in a guilt place of I don't really know what to do and we don't want to hurt people and we don't want to hurt people, then at some point it's going to turn to you can't even share that story anymore. That's why I'm saying you please don't take away our story. Right. Because I think it will come to a place where you will be, you will be banned from sharing your story. Because anything that's against this freedom will be considered hate speech. Right. So then you don't even have the right to share your story anymore. Right. So your story becomes insignificant. Therefore, the work of God becomes insignificant to these people. True. So then God no longer works miracles. He only works within the boundaries of this legislature to the world. It doesn't mean we still don't see his, his miracles. It doesn't mean we don't still see what he does. Right. You know, we even to this day have people come to us saying, wow, you're the first person who's ever told me I might be able to find freedom from this. Most folks come to us saying, even my church now believes that I was born gay. My teacher tells me I was born gay. My uncle tells me I'm born gay. <laughs> We're so we finally, they finally find us. And so many times we hear, well, you know, you're the first person who's ever said that. This is interesting. I've always wondered if I could change and you have changed. And it's like, yes. Yes. And I really do want people to understand because I think they throw in, in this moment this crazy place of saying, oh, well, but I know people who've tried to change and they ended up still being sexual with, with the same sex or they ended up still looking at pornography. Or they... I'm not saying it's not a hard road. It is hard to change 
a broken identity that 99% of the time happened in childhood that you've struggled with for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, it's hard to change that, especially when it's so wrapped around who you think you are, who you think your sexuality is, what you think your sexuality is, and who you think God is. Because most of the time there's a process there where people turn away from God because they think, well, if I, if I feel this and I know God doesn't like it, then he must not like me. And that's not the truth. But we've, we as a world, as a culture, have swung the pendulum the, whole, the complete opposite direction now that says, well, God loves you exactly where you are rather than absolutely he still loves you, but it's still not his best for you. And he will help you find freedom. The spirit of lust is super strong in our world today. It's living well. It's getting stronger every day because guess what? We give in to that lust place and we now have pornography everywhere. We now have homosexuality everywhere. We have sex outside of marriage everywhere. So, so the spirit of lust is absolutely thriving. So the temptations of this world are stronger. I'm not saying they're new because some of these same temptations have been around for as long as the you know the the first people group were alive, but it's it's still, yes, it's a hard place, but that doesn't mean that fighting for something that's hard isn't good. That's right. That coming out on the other side of it and going, you know what, I do feel freer than I did feel yesterday. You know, I feel sorry for those people that we know that have fought and have been in this world of the ex-gay community and fought hard in it for years and then you find out they finally gave in and said, oh, this is the way I was. I was gay all along. I'm, now I know God loves me and, and I'm gay. And I'm sorry, but I think a lot of that happened when Exodus fell. I think when it fell, a lot of people caved in and said, well, I've been fighting for something so long. And now I'm hearing from former Exodus leader that being gay is okay, that God loves it. And I think the easy road is easy. It's like you said. No, who was it? Maybe it was you. We were talking about the narrow road yesterday. This is the narrow road. <laughs> y'all crack me up because y'all just <laughs> I know I'm very intense with this, but I really, I, I really am on fire about this. So Go for it. I just want people to understand how sad it really makes me feel that we're about to give up our, and I don't mean we as in the three of us, but as in the world we live in, that we're about to give up our religious freedom. Well, and what makes me sad is that, that Christians don't know the foundation of their belief and they don't know. It's like they're going to turn around and this is all going to hit them. They're not, they're not taking it as, as important as they should. Amen. They're not seeing what's happening, you Amen. know, in the picture of, of taking away our rights, of our beliefs. And it is so much, in my opinion, and people will probably think this is radical, but it's so much how Hitler was able to lead millions off to the gas chamber. 
It's because people just stood by and thought, well, I guess that's what this is all about, is we're supposed to be moving in this direction, and they don't realize it until they're burning, you know, that that we've just lost our ability for you people listening to us right now to hear our story. Yeah, because what's next? Being a Christian is going to be illegal, yes. you know? Well, certainly it will. it's already under this bill going to be illegal to be a Christian who believes that homosexuality is a sin. So right there, our culture, and I hope people hear this, has already redefined Christ. And anytime you redefine Christ, it's the spirit of the Antichrist. So we're living in the days of the spirit of the Antichrist. Because exactly. anytime you change the word of God, you're listening to the spirit of the Antichrist. So if people are thinking, oh, well, maybe we're wrong. Maybe it's true that this is God-given and God-ordained. Look in the word. You know, don't compare it to some, oh, well, women used to have to wear head coverings. We don't have to wear head coverings anymore. Don't compare right. it to that because that's nowhere backed up. Yes, there were moments in culture that were written about where women wore head covering. Those were cultural laws. Yes, those were cultural laws, just like you you, you, you taught me. Those are cultural laws. Those are things that you begin to see They're changed with laws. the culture. But God's laws, like if you look at homosexuality and murder and many of the things that are in the Old Testament, when it carried over into the New Testament, it was still considered wrong in God's eyes. Right. They're God's laws. And that's the thing that people don't get. It's like we live almost in a place of guilt because of these hurting folks rather than trying to heal them and, and come against them and say, look, if we were to tell you that your sin is right, we're actually condemning you to hell. Right. I can't judge someone's heart. I don't know out of this group, people group that do sinful things, any group. I can't, I can't decide who's going to heaven and who's going to hell. But I can guarantee you that Am I willing to tell someone that, well, I don't think that's a sin or I can't make that a sin for you? Am I willing to say that and perhaps condemn them to a life of living in a broken place? I don't want to do that. But it's safe for them to tell me their belief, but it will no longer be safe for us to tell them our belief. Exactly. And that's why our stories are in, in danger of getting taken away. I'll never stop telling my story. Even though I have to go underground, I'll keep telling my story. I will. You know what? Persecuted Christians have been telling their stories, whether they were allowed to or not, for centuries. But I think people need to begin to realize that they're about to lose their, their open freedoms of telling their story. That's all I got. Can I go back to this... Um this bill, because in it, it talks about uh, the the reasons why they're wanting wanting it to uh -huh. be illegal, and it they're saying it violates the the do no harm principle, and so they're saying you know to try to change it, it um, people that that try to change will be depressed and feel guilt, helplessness, hopelessness, shame, social withdrawal. Suicide, substance abuse, stress, disappointment, self-blame. There's a whole list of this, but right. do y'all have any thoughts about, you know, because this is kind of the core of what they're saying is absolutely. why. Well, they're know. absolutely not speaking to the ones that that have this struggle and don't have any 
hope of being any different or hope for, I mean, because, you know, they talk about, they talk like these are all, you know, single, um, you know, or I guess attracted to the same person. But I mean, in our ministry, we know that that they're talking about husbands. They're talking about wives that have children and families and, and um, you know, that because of, um, because of, pornography and the issues with pornography they may start out looking at just heterosexual pornography and then they you know slowly get you know influenced and and you know kind of curious about you know other kinds of pornography and so they then they start getting lured into that and so then they start feeling like oh I'm you know I'm enjoying this I I get aroused by looking for a guy you know if I'm looking at other guys I get aroused by seeing this it must mean that I'm gay or women the same thing you know it must mean that I'm gay that's not true and so you get you get you have people that are you know struggling with pornography that that are in these areas, and so they want to reach out for help. Well, you're cutting, you're shutting them out. Right. So you know you're going to have those folks as well that are going to deal with hopelessness and helplessness and and mm-hmm. feelings of suicide and and the this this law does absolutely does not look at these class of people. They're just wanting to protect this one class of people that says I'm happy with who I am. And I wouldn't go to any counseling, and I don't think that anybody that that has these issues should go for counseling, but they don't know all the people that struggle. They don't know who it really encompasses and who it affects. Right. And that's what angers me, and now yeah. I'm on my soapbox <laughs> because that just angers me because sure. they don't see the true picture. Well, and I and I agree absolutely. I also would add the do no harm principle comes from it's a medical term. It's also been adopted by psychiatry and psychology that says you're supposed to provide counseling in a way that does no more harm to the person you're seeing. But that's a subjective term hmm. based upon those who sit in their ivory towers who make the decisions of the diagnostic and statistical manual. Mm-hmm. of the American Psychiatric Association. And, and you know, I don't know the final word, but even the American Psychiatric Association was still considering that this could still, there could be some rep- repairing done in homosexuality and being gay. I'm not sure what their final word has been, but up until just a little while ago, there were still some people who's, who weren't completely convinced that it was doing harm to offer it to adult people who could make their own decision about whether they wanted to get help or not. The problem with that is the do no harm is principle is very subjective because, you know, come on, let's think about it. I mean, we've done counseling. I've done it for many years. Shay's done it for many years. You're beginning to do it. People aren't always going to love what you have to tell them when they leave counseling. And so when a person leaves counseling, they may not feel good about what you've told them because dealing with hurts hurt. And so sometimes there's two – I mean, I'm thinking of two counseling theories right now. One is a very 
solution-focused, everything's good, focus on what's good about your life, focus on the great things about your life, one of them looks at your hurts. Some people will prefer to go to the person who says, oh, you're wonderful, rainbows and butterflies, enjoy what you are, just live the way, okay, so your husband had an affair. Why is that a problem? You go out and have an affair, whatever, you know? The problem is with that is there's two different schools of thought. So people leave one feeling, oh, they told me to go get involved in self-care and go take care of myself and go to the spa for the day. And, oh, I feel so much better because I'm taking care of myself. The other one says, no, let's dig in and look at your wounds. And when you dig in and look at wounds, it hurts. And so the problem with that is, is then some people leave that and go, well, you hurt me rather than, wow, I'm looking at the pain of my life and it hurts me. I'm thinking about a situation where I hurt someone and I don't know who it is and it's just, it's what I heard. So I'm just using it as an example. Let's say a a gentleman goes to, he's 17 or 18. Let's, Let's at least make him an adult so people don't get, you know, caught up in the whole, well, you're not supposed to do counseling with teens who don't want to be free, you know, who, who, who are looking for freedom from homosexuality. So we got an 18-year-old guy who goes to a group, and that group decides that they're all going to go camping for the weekend. And these are all guys who struggle with same-sex attraction. Well, come on. I've been there. Others have been there. They've struggled with feeling safe around other guys. That's part of the brokenness of homosexuality. Most of, uh, of the folks who've been in brokenness in sexuality prefer to hang around more with females. So that's what their thing is, is they're safe around females, they're unsafe around other males. But this group decides to go have a camping trip. So guess what? Camping. Hmm, we're all out there in the tent, we're sleeping in the same tent. Three days in, we're starting to stink. So what does everybody do? Hey, let's strip down to, to our birthday suits and go jump in the river and wash up. Oh my gosh, I'm offended and I'm triggered by all these naked men because I'm used to them being sexual objects. Now we're just buddies hanging out and everybody's getting naked and I'm afraid. Oh, you've hurt me now because you took me to a place where you told me I should undress and jump in a lake. No, I took you on a normal adult masculine outing that no one forced you to do that. And yet you got offended and hurt. Let's deal with that, not just run off and say, people are trying to make me straight by putting me in a, in a pond with a bunch of naked men. And I'm using that because that's what I heard this person say, was that they asked him to go dress and undress in front of, in a locker room with a but bunch of other men. But that wasn't you that initiated No, no, no. That. I'm saying okay. this is an example. Right. I'm saying, I just wanted to... Yes, it's just an example. But I'm still saying... Some folks may have left that experience feeling actually encouraged in their masculinity that I don't feel so afraid of my identity. Others may have been nervous about that. Let's deal with that rather than running to the, oh my gosh, people are trying to hurt me because that's not necessarily what everybody's done. Just like I had a a guy who was 18 who sat here in my office and said, you know, I'm only here because my parents are bringing me here. I said, fine, I don't want to keep seeing you because I don't want you to be here because you're feeling coerced. I already told your parents you don't have to keep coming. And he said, but I'm willing to talk with you one time. I said, great. We had a great conversation. I talked to him about my story. I just shared, hey, if you ever feel like perhaps it's not for you, there might be a way to find freedom. 
We ended our conversation. I prayed with him. He looked at me and he said, so that's it? I said, yes, that's it. He said, you're not going to bring out that machine that you hooked me up to to try to, to, to shock the gay out of me? I said, there is no such machine. But he'd heard from several of his friends at school that that's what we do. And I'm just trying to dis- dispel those myths. There is no machine. Not everybody is trying to coerce gay children who believe they're gay into trying to make them straight. It's just, hey, I did have an experience of my own where I went on a men's retreat. We all jumped in a pond, cleaned up. I was scared because I wasn't sure what was going to happen to me in my own body. And yet it was one of the most life-changing things of my life. So I'm just offering we don't know just because someone's afraid of something doesn't mean that it's not healing. And that's my concern about this bill, is it's taking away anyone's opportunity to have those experiences and find them in a healing way versus being scared of them. Right. Thoughts? When you talk about going back to the wounds, you know, the two styles of counseling, when you're trying to deal with anything, that's the same process. I would say that's a Mostly the same process, no matter what the issue is. Absolutely. And if if all we ever do, Corey, is is tell people what they want to hear that makes them smile, we'll never find true healing. And I don't know everyone's story. And I'm not trying to take away their story. I want everyone to hear that. I'm not trying to take away the guy's story who ended up with a bad counselor who he intimidated him or embarrassed him in his sexuality and he was trying to get free from homosexuality and somebody embarrassed him or did do it wrong. I'm saying, I'm not saying that all everyone is perfect out there in the way they've attempted to heal. I'm just saying, don't throw this baby out with the bathwater because there's some of us out here going, I had a great experience. I found a lot of freedom. I'm happy And if you make me never change, I actually might then start to feel all those things you had on that list of sadness and depression and suicidal ideation. Because if that's not what I want and you force me to live in the gay world, I actually might get more depressed. You know, that's what's so crazy about this world we live in. People only look at the sad homosexual boy or girl that's being told they can't be gay and how suicidal they are. But does anyone look at the guy who struggles? I felt suicidal. I felt depression when I couldn't find freedom. I swear when I found freedom, those things didn't stick around. When I found truth, I felt good. So I didn't have those things anymore. So I think it's important to really realize those things. And, and just to begin, and I'm, I'm not saying that the gay community has to believe what I'm saying. I'm asking for people who are questioning it in the church to begin to question it. Because what if I'm right? You know, I saw some crazy meme on Facebook that says, you know, if I'm wrong and I've been believing Christ is right this whole time and I find out he's wrong about homosexuality, it doesn't hurt me. I still lived my freedom in the way I wanted to live it. But if you, whomever's watching this, that has 
said, oh, I'm gay and this is who I am. If you decide that's who you are and you live against Christ the rest of your life and you find out you've been wrong, there may be greater consequences to that. I'm just saying let people find their own truth as they walk towards Christ, not be told what their truth is supposed to be. Right. Well, we've had a good conversation. Let's see what God does with it. I do want to pray before we end, and I want us to keep it in the podcast. Father, I do pray for this bill. I pray for the truth of it to be seen. I pray for your hope to shine in this place. For anyone listening, I pray that it would spread like wildfire. I pray that truth would spread like wildfire, that we would begin to see that we don't have to sell everything out that we can continue to allow people to walk towards your truth, Lord Jesus, and find the truth for themselves, not legislated out of their options. Father, I don't want people's ability to find your truth to be taken away through legislation. And I just ask that you work in that. I thank you that you have raised up people to have a fire about this, and may you raise up more. And Father, even if this passes and they begin to take away our right to share our story, even the rocks will cry out. It says in your word that if no one else praises you, even the rocks will continue to shout. And so underground, we will all continue to shout. In Jesus' name, amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.